Welcome to the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We're back to another edition of the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. Appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today, yours truly is myself, Beacox. With me, I have the crew comprised of these fine gentlemen here. To my left, we have my boy, Dominique. Dominique Marks, a.k.a. Cousin Damo. He is the host of the Raw Sex Podcast. You could hear it on Podbean, also on Spotify, and also on Apple Podcasts as well. More distribution channels to come. To my right, we have my man, D.E.T. Dave, here in front of us. He is the host of the Ground Rule Double podcast that he hosts every Mondays and Fridays at 8 p.m. or so about the parts. Check your local listings and, of course, make sure you check him out on Facebook to see when it's airing. He does that on Friday and Monday evenings, talking everything in the world of sports. And in front of me to my 12, I have my boy, J.O. Jason, a fine connoisseur of hip hop of everything from the West Coast to the East Coast to down south and everything in between. Gentlemen, want to thank you for coming back with us. We've been away for a long, long time. Yes, indeed. We should have left you without a dope podcast to step to. But we are right here (laughs) back in the place to be. And I'm glad to be back here now because, of course, as you know, on the Vault podcast, we review classic albums and do a perspective on them from 20, 25, and 30 years after their release to see if they still stand the test of time. And we have a good one today, going back 20 years to the year of 1999 and looking to see, as we did research on this, to see how dope the end of the century, last century was in 1999, the projects that we have reviewed in the past and are also reviewing today. We're going to go back to 1999 to Internal Affairs by Pharaoh Monch. Of course, good old Pharaoh, the rapper from Queens, one half of the duo Organized Confusion along with Prince Poe, with his solo debut, Internal Affairs, released in 1999. So here's the particulars, gentlemen, what we have. We are pretty much right on the cusp of the 20th anniversary of Internal Affairs, released October 19th, 1999, recorded between 98 and 99, runtime of 53 minutes and 22 seconds, Label, the iconic, short-lived, but still iconic, Raucous Records, also through Priority. Executive producers, of course, Renee John Sandy II and Pharrell Monch, who took a big creative role with this. And also other producers were Lee Stone, who did quite a bit of work on this album. Other producers on this album were also DJ Scratch, The Alchemist, Diamond D, and then also a host of... Feature artists who were on this album, this debut of Pharaoh Monch. So, guys, we're going to go into this. And everyone who's known and followed Pharaoh in his career through what he did with Organized Confusion definitely developed himself as an elite lyricist in the 90s, well-respected amongst a lot of people in the industry for his wordplay. And that was, I would say, very well in effect and also prevalent in this release that he had his first solo offering. We're going to get things started off. Internal Affairs, of course, leased it. And now it's also some interesting news. For the longest while, this album was not made available. It was actually out of print and also not available online because after 
Universal Music Group acquired Raucous from Priority, there were a couple of artists that had opportunities to be able to continue recording either with Universal or through a number of different other record labels. And Pharaoh refused to record for Geffen Records afterwards. So as a result of that dispute, this album was out of print and was also not made available in most digital formats where you can buy or listen to or stream albums. And it was just announced about a couple of weeks ago that Pharaoh actually made the album and it reached a deal. The album is now available on Apple Music and most other digital formats. It was always available on YouTube and now you can download it and stream it as well. So that's a good thing because it's glad I'm glad that people are finally going to be able to discover this digitally. So Internal Affairs released in 1999, 53 minutes, 22 seconds and 15 tracks here that we had for Internal Affairs. So we're going to get the reviews for this. This is 20 years ago. We'll go ahead and start. I'll actually start to my left and we'll start with Damo about his reaction to this album. Basically, your first reactions listening to it and what you thought about the album. Um, I don't know if you may have listened to it just more recently or you listened to it back then, but this, uh, your reactions to it. Well, back then, I, I remember PJ, our boy PJ, oh, yeah. hyping this album back then. <laughs> so he had me ready for this album. So I went and grabbed it, listened to it. I, I loved it back then. I really enjoyed it then. If, of course, you know, Simon Says was, was the jump back then, so I was on that. When I walked in, you know, Jason said it was nothing to jump back into it. Once I threw it on, it was like, it was just like back then. I was like, oh, yeah, dang, I forgot about this a little bit. And nope. so, you know, when Brian was like, hey, look up Eternal Fest, I sound familiar to me. When I saw the picture, I was like, oh, yeah, this the jump right here. So it still, it still gave me the same feeling. 99, what, Bowie High School. Yes, sir. Mm, mm-hmm. Wonderful time. So, Jay, your, your reaction saying that it wasn't hard for you to get back in at all. Why? Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, because I'm thinking about when it came out. I was I was actually my freshman year at Lincoln University in PA, so I was around a lot of, like, New Yorkers and, you know, hardcore hip-hop heads. Like, this is, like, the end of the century, like you were saying. But when I first heard it, I mean, it just it was just what I, ex- what I expected from Farrell Monch. It was already, like, a hype that, you know, he was going to do his solo release on Rockets Records and, it was even more of a, a treat that he was doing, like he was going to have so much creative control, but I mean, he just brought it like, you know, with the production and the way his flow was, it just really like lived up to the overall mission of Rockers Records trying to do, like keep underground hip hop alive and yes. carve out that niche. So exactly. You know, I was, I, I was definitely surprised. And like I said, it, it'd have been a while since I listened to it. Cause like you were saying, like, you know, you kind of forget about these artists and, and I don't know how I did this with Rockers Records artists, but yeah, they kind of got to get cast to the wayside. Yeah. So when I bump it again, like it's like, because their demise came out of nowhere, you thought yeah. they was gonna have a run, right? Yeah, it's it's almost like it doesn't seem it like it was that long ago. Mm-hmm. But you look back, and now when Rock is folded, it's been almost fifteen plus years now, almost ten, almost yeah. close to you know ten to fifteen years since they've been gone. And God, what a glorious roster they had, and a glorious time it was. Mm-hmm. That record label put out some consistent classics, and their mission was clear in helping to keep the underground alive. I thought, I thought. Rockets music, Rockets was going to be like how good music is. Well, how yeah, good yeah. music was, was like right, it was yeah. going to be yeah. in the beginning. Yeah, how good I mean, music, good music was. is still putting out projects, mm-hmm. but in the, but them first couple of albums yeah. like Common and mm-hmm. it, psh, that's how you that's how I looked at how Rockets was going to be. Yeah, Dave, your uh, initial reaction upon hearing it, and then guess getting back into it now, listening to this week, what your reactions were? Again, this is one of those albums that. You know, you hear a single, you heard Simon Says all over the radio. Then I heard The Light, 
Mm-hmm. And then I heard the remix of Simon Says. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, wow. Like, I think it, I think with this point, it disappointed me because I remember what Quali said, like, Raucous was like, fuck the radio till Pharaoh said, get the fuck up, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like, I was disappointed to hear that he got so much radio play. And he had all these mainstream artists on his remix. But it's just like, you know what? Everybody needs to hear about this dude. So, I mean, listening to the album all the way through. I didn't listen to the album all the way through. This is the first time I did it. And I did it this morning, as a matter of fact. So mm-hmm. it's still fresh on the mind. But, yeah, it was quintessential raucous. Yeah, and a lot of people, up until they heard Simon Says, in the public abroad had not heard or known who Pharaoh Monch was, which is really disappointing considering how dope he's been. My reaction back then was that I was finally glad to hear a Pharaoh solo record. Now, I got much respect for Prince Poe and what Organized Confusion did as a duo, but I wanted to hear Pharaoh, especially when you've heard guest appearances on things that he had done and random freestyles you would hear he'd do on Hot 97 or, you know, Power 105 or so many different other freestyles you would hear back in the day when hearing freestyles back then were were rare and then just being able to hear them on the internet when they just wrapped up and did a freestyle on a radio show. For me, listening to it 20 years ago, we had our lunch table crew and, and Dave wasn't necessarily a part of the first lunch table crew, but he became a part of it in our senior year within our senior lounge where it was that Tuesday date when you had Tuesday. releases come out Tuesday and Wednesday. this album came out on a Tuesday on the 19th of October, the week before most staff blacks on black on both sides. It came out. So you had two back to back weeks where we were sitting there having long discussions at our lunch table about this album. And we love the fact that, you know, a lot of our favorites during this time were on this album. You had MCs like Cannabis, who at that time hadn't completely lost his credibility and was still somewhat of a, a phenomenon. You know, even after he lost his battle with LL, he still had skills, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You had MOP, Buster Rhymes, Common, and Talib Kweli, and then, of course, the remix of Simon Says with Lady Luck, Method Man, Red Man, Shabam Sadiq, and Busta as well. Mm-hmm. So, Second you know. collaboration with yeah, Busta. Yeah. Sadiq off. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, and then listening to it again, I actually told Jason when he walked through the door earlier, I listened to this like three times because I really had not pushed this album out of my consciousness, but when it came to other things that I've heard during that time period, it was in the back of my mind. Yeah. So I had to listen to it two or three times to get back into it. I like to say this about Pharaoh. To me, I think he's a kind of like beer. And same meaning that he's like beer, like he's a bit of an acquired taste to the raw ear. If you haven't been used to what he, you know, used to him and him, his style, his flow, his delivery. But once you, it's either you get beer and you hate the taste of it or you get it. And then you, after a few times of drinking it, you love it. And to me, that's what it was with me with Pharaoh, especially having being a writer, poetry and writing rhymes. After you sit down and break down, like losing at OHHLA.com and sitting there and reading those <laughs> lyrics and you get those metaphors he was saying, like you didn't get it the first time around. So you're back with that one. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I still use that to this day, man, because sometimes you just need to be able to just break down lyrics when they meant something, you know? So that was my big thing. So we're going to go around our roundtable and talk about your highlights of the album and see what it is that you liked. And so I'll start now with Dave. What were your favorite tracks on the album? Uh, just a few highlights of tracks that just kind of grip grabbed you and, and took a hold of you when you listened to it the most recently. 
Um, of course, Simon says uh, the light, the truth with Common and uh, most. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm gonna say Common and Quali. Yeah. Uh, my favorite track on the joint is official. Uh, that joint mm. just swimming <laughs> with punchlines. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. I will get into that in a little bit later. Uh, as far as the, the quotable. Yeah. My quotable comes from that song, but yeah, uh, bro, that 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 song is absolutely fire. Yeah, the thing about official, what I loved is I didn't think it was possible to spit that many sports <laughs> metaphors yes. and references in yeah. one song, but he did it mm. so skillfully in that song. The truth is, you know, a great track as well with Common and Quali. I had forgot about that track when I was listening to it again, and it was just like, oh, yeah, this was close to w- towards the end of the album. So, yeah, man, I definitely understand that. Jay, your highlights of listening to it after listening to it for a while. Um, of course, um, Simon Says, and particularly the remix, because I, I just feel everybody just brought it on that. They had no choice. Yeah. I mean, like, you made yourself no choice. Yeah, you had to step it up when you was with Pharaoh. And, like, yeah. another thing I want to say about the just the beat of it, you know, especially, like, you know, the freestyle cypher days, like, you, it was just understood. You had to go in there, like, with your heart of 16 and demolish that beat. Absolutely. Like, like I, I came in like a yeah. rabbit dog out of hell when it came to, like, you know, just, like, spitting bars and off that joint. Mm-hmm. So it just took me back to that time. But that's what Simon says stood out. And I would say the truth right here, definitely hell with cannabis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that um, was. Yeah. yeah, like, I mean, because Farrell brought, I mean, he definitely matched cannabis because typically cannabis outshined everybody he was yes. with during that time. No mercy with MOP. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one, like, too. Because um, cause honestly, that, and I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here, but that was probably like the most lyrical I've ever heard Little Fame spit. Yeah. So that, that just really stood out to me. Like, No, absolutely, man. I definitely hear that, man. To mention about also about Simon Says, everyone knows the famous sample that was used for that track was actually the sample from the Mothra versus Godzilla theme, that quick little three-second sample that they right. used. And because of that, actually, they did not get clearance from the movie studio that did that. So that was another issue with this album being released is the fact that there was not clearance in using that sample. And it's wow. a shame because that's one of the most inventive samples of such a short snippet <laughs> that became yeah. one of the biggest bangers in, in that century. So it's crazy, man. But uh, Damo, your highlights of the album after listening to it then and now? Of course, it's the remix. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you heard me whisper out here, they should have took Saddam off the channel. I didn't really like him. Yes. Oh wow, I really didn't like him on there like that. Like everybody else. Like when I first heard Red, I was like, oh yeah, Red. I was like, oh, meth. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Even Lady Luck, I was like, okay. And him, I was like, I ain't know, I, I ain't know who. I Lady was Luck like, was. okay, I don't know what. But and then cannabis. I loved cannabis on it. Yeah. And I forgot I forgot that he was even on the album. I was like, right. oh, once I heard I was like, oh, snap. Oh, he was on here? Yeah. You know, cause you thought, you know, you remember him dying back then and you <laughs> forgot he was still alive during this time. <laughs> and then, you know, uh the light, of course. And it was good to hear Common and Salib Kwali on the job. So yeah. Basically the same thing. Yeah. And I like the intro. Yeah. Yeah, the intro the is intro. fire. The Intro's intro. Fire. I had to look, I said, hold on, oh. Oh no, this is an intro for real. <laughs> yeah. No, to tell you the truth, man, the production on this album was outstanding. And by many different producers who gave work and produced the work on this album, it was great. Thinking about that remix, though, and uh, you, Dave told me, you know, he didn't even know who Lady Luck was. Mm-hmm. In that year, Lady Luck had two memorable features to help 
propel her into the consciousness. It was this remix, and it was also the symphony remix yeah. that uh, mm-hmm. Eric B, Eric, uh, excuse me, EPMD did on their on their album in two thousand. Um, back in not back in business, but the it's a uh, uh, out of business, out of business. Out of business. Yeah. yeah, so they uh, actually, I mean, she she killed it on that, and that's I think the first time that I had heard of her. And then on the remix, this was the second track that I heard, "Lady mm-hmm. Luck." Thinking about that, when this is when the days when people used to go into the studio and rap together, like you would go in the studio and put mm-hmm. down a track. So if you step in this studio and you got Pharaoh, Method Man, Red. Um, and then you, Lady Luck, and Shabam Sadiq, and Busta Rhymes, like, you got to make sure you bring your A game. It's like, Definitely. you know, you don't want to be the, the the person on the starting five, you know, that ends up getting, or the person who ends up being relegated to starting five, and you the first person off the bench. You yep. don't want to be on the bench. You want to be on the starting five. My highlights on the album, to me, it's crazy, because even though this is a controversial sound, song topic, this concept of the song rate to me was crazy how See, he I was, I was on, his I was words around with that. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> uh, hell with cannabis was crazy because you had two very intricate wordsmiths on that album, uh, him and cannabis. And you know, it's, cr- it's funny when you think about this, if there was ever a rapper that could have benefited from being on raucous and being in that atmosphere of likewise artist, and also from the production, because we know this was his biggest, um, detriment is his ability to like, having albums yeah. at substandard production. It yeah. was cannabis, man. See, really, great, uh, great, great minds think alike, bro. You know, just thinking that. Yeah, the light and it's funny that he had a song with here on Common that also had a song named the the light in an mm-hmm. album that was released the next year, like Water for Chocolate. But that was one, huh. the truth, and then you know that that was good, and then of course the remix. I mean, there's a lot of different other things, but those are really my highlights after um, listening to it. But it was um, it, it's interesting though to to look at this album and see the different type of you know Diamond D produced about four tracks on here. DJ Scratch had a couple of, of offerings. Pharaoh actually helped co-produce a couple of the tracks on here as well. Including Greta talked about the creative control that he had, right. and that was the great thing about Raucous is they let their artists be involved in the producing of their albums. Mm-hmm. A good thing to see about that. So, I guess we'll go and move on to then and now. Your favorite song then versus now. I'll go ahead and I guess I'll start with you, Jay. Back then and now, what was your favorite song then? Has it changed? And if it has, what was it then and what is it now? I really can't say anything has changed too much just yeah. because like the, just like everything with the exception of one song, which is not whack, but I could have done without. And I don't, I don't mean to keep making it a theme here, but like, honestly, the one with Busta Rhymes, I could have I, I done without that one, but I got a different next choice year. for that one. The next yeah, year. I, I, I agree with you. That's one A. Yeah, I mean, and like, I, I mean, and, and the song wasn't whack, but I just, I just felt it was out of place for Pharaoh's out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, but as far as like songs stand out now, Queens because of like the storytelling ability, mm-hmm. it was just, Solid. I mean, because initially I, saw, I just saw Queens I'm like, all right, he's gonna shout out his borough, like different spots around his borough and everything like that. But then you listen to it, he gets into the, into the aspect like telling stories and everything like that. It's like, okay, oh yeah, he's a dope storyteller too. Slept on songs. Just because the title, it made me uncomfortable back then. Like, rape, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I mean, the title. Even, yeah. yeah the title. And, uh, and even, like, mm-hmm. the way he, like, starts the journey off, like, pictures on the wall, following the balls. Like, oh, yeah. Like, you really think he's about to try to, like, take you through the mind frame of, like, a rapist. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, dude, this is about to get real dark. Like, yeah. and then <laughs> I listened to it some more. And he's like, no, like, it's more metaphorical and everything like that. But, of course, that title catches your attention. I guess, like I said, I liked the light back then just as much as I do now. Of course, like everybody's gonna say, the remix of what Simon says that's just yes, that's just like top notch. You know what I mean? So those are mine. Yeah, Damo, your uh, favorite song then versus now? Has it changed? If it has, what was it then? What is it now? And then any songs that you think you slept on then, 
but now you're you paid a lot more attention to it this time around listening to it. We'll go right where he left off. Of course, Simon Says was the favorite song then, you know, especially the remix. And, you know, back then, remix was the, the remix always was lit back then. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now I would say I slept on Hell with Cannabis. Mm-hmm. I slept on that one. I think it was really underrated. And I think kind of had Cannabis underrated on it for some people. And that's about it for real. I I listened to rape a couple of times. So the first time I listened to it, I was like, okay. then I said, oh, let me right, listen to like, it again. Like, yeah. oh, he talking about the game. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah he's so, talking about the game. Yeah, yeah exactly. Metaphorically, a great song to sort of go yes. through. Yeah. I mean, let's just hope this man doesn't end up on like Fox News for any type of topic because you don't even yes. on that song. You yeah. Right. And that's the reason why when I saw that song title, it took me back and I was like, whoa, was I looking at this song <laughs> the same way back then, the way I look at it in the lens you now? Know, we was raunchy back then. Yeah. So. And the song I felt like that we could have taken out was The Ass. Oh, okay. I was like, that, that had to be like a ruckus thing put a label thing pushing like let's yeah. throw this in get her out there so we can hit her voice yeah. out there I was like uh okay so I didn't look at it from that perspective like you know trying to get her attention yeah but yeah but you know I do like the way he, the way he started the song though fuck it I shagged her <laughs> 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 oh man that that made me laugh when I heard that first line yeah, but Dave, so your favorite song, um, listening to it, I mean, then I know it may have been one song. Now, since you listened to it this morning, has that changed? The remix, Simon Says, is my favorite. Back then, uh, it's changed to official. Yeah. Just, like I said, me being a sports podcaster and being a just a nut about sports, I'm listening to this song. I'm just like, wow, 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 wow. Everything he said, I was just like, man, he just ripping this joint like, just straight punchlines. Just, it was absolute fire. It was and the beat, the production was quality, and it was, the hook was dope. Everything about the track was dope. Yeah, uh, songs I could have did without the ass trash. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> was that the next, the new shit, new shit, the, the next, shit. Um, next, the next shit, next shit, right? Like, yeah, because like for some reason he was on some like Poncho Vila type. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was like just out of place. I was like, this is not needed on this album, right? Yeah, those are the only two dark spots. The only two spots I could have done without, like the ass was just. I'm like, I'm like, okay, this is quintessential. You know, I guess they have to have this on every album back in the '90s. I mean, hell, I thought that was pointless. Yeah, and and back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, sure. And it's more like every album back in like the late '90s had Buster Rhymes on it. True. Yeah. yeah. He like was on the album twice. Yeah, well, Buster was <laughs> he was on the street back then. Yeah. Buster was hot as fish grease back then, man. Mm, yeah. You got to think about the sequence of albums he put out in the late '90s. He had When Disaster Strikes, Yelly, and then then he also had Extinction Level Event. In the late, the early 2000s, he's when he had Anarchy. Right. But you got to remember, he was doing a lot of guest spots back then. He had a lot of really, really successful commercial songs throughout both of those albums. He was really was at that time. That was also when Busta had switched his flow up a little bit. So he was becoming a lot more f- commercially viable. And it was just a great thing to sort of have, to be able to have Busta on your track at that point. I mean, if you had Busta on a guest spot on your, it was never a bad thing, mm-hmm. especially in the late nineties, man. He was hot as fish grease back then because yeah, he was, album. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, well, at least yeah. on the next shit, it wasn't that great, but I mean, he made up well more than made up for by closing out. Yeah, a remix. When you close out a remix track on a on a all star cast like that, it says something, you know. So, mm-hmm. yep. For me, my favorite song back then uh, definitely was 
was definitely Simon Says, the remix. Um, it's still one of my favorites, but I would have to say my favorite now would have to be No Mercy because I love M.O.P. And, yeah. you know, you listen to M.O.P., you know exactly what it is you're listening to when you mm-hmm. listen to M.O.P. track, <laughs> you know. And they've never not yelled on a track. Right. <laughs> and when you listen to M.O.P., if you're an M.O.P. fan, you're okay with it. But it was great. And that beat produced by The Alchemist. And this is when The Alchemist is really starting to make a name for himself. Right. You can't miss with The Alchemist. Bro. You cannot. You cannot and, at all. Nope. And, and like you said, that to me was probably about as lyrical, lyrically impressive yeah. as Lil, Lil, Lil Fame was. Billy's always been the one that's sort of been the heavy hitter on that one, right. especially because of his voice. But they really all three kind of brought it right there. As far as like songs that I slept on back then, I would have to say Official, without a shadow of a doubt. Mm-hmm. Official was one. And then also Hell, featuring Cannabis. Um, official, it's like I listened to Official and started thinking about the references he was naming. Like people who you forgot about in sports. Like he was Chuck Knobloch, Ray Ordonez, talking about George Steinbrenner. Raul Mondesi. Then the way, yeah, Raul Mondesi. <laughs> you know, that's a throwback for those of us who used to watch baseball back in the 90s. Yeah. He was in the sports. Like Raul was the yeah, shit. I mean, he like <laughs> he was a perfectly balanced Almost five-tool player, but great offensively and defensively. And the type of things that he sort of just weaved into those rhymes and that hook was great. Hook. The ass, yeah, definitely. I think they could have done without it. But it's a label thing, and I'm pretty sure that they wanted to get, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. a Pony B. Fly, who was the female artist on that track, uh, was there. The next shit, like I said, I kind of, to me, I kind of, my mind wandered off a little bit during that one because it's like I could have felt that it wasn't as strong as some of the other tracks. Mm -hmm. But... Those are my highlights there, and of course the songs that I slept on. This was a really, really well-reviewed album. Um, I was going through some of the reviews earlier this week and getting prepared for this uh, recording and saw that, of course, by the source, this had a four-and-a-half mic rating when it came out in 1999. Mm. Pretty much only a half mic away from it being a in the, in the source's rating system a classic. RapReviews.com and Steve Flashwan, who is one of the most respected re- um, reviewers that I see out there because I used to read all the stuff from OHHLA.com and then they branched off that into RapReviews.com, mm-hmm. gave it a nine-star rating and gave it a nine for both lyrics and all, or a ten for lyrics and a nine for music as far as the music was concerned. Um, all Music gave it a four-and-a-half star rating. Rolling Stone gave it a four-star rating, and back then, Rolling Stone wasn't as into rap music, I would say, as they are now. This is a very well-reviewed album, and a lot of it has to do, man, because I think the production was great. And I think with Raucous at that point in time, they were really clicking on all cylinders with all the projects they were putting out. Like, in that time frame between 1998 until, like, 2001, 2002, they were putting out albums, and they were not missing. It was hit after hit after hit after hit. And whether it was Quali or Most Def or Company Flow or High and Mighty, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, flow. to the to the compilations. And to me, they were the kings in the late 90s putting together compli- compilation albums between Lyricist Lounge, Volumes sound, 1 sound and 2, definitely. And, two. and then Sound Bombings 1 <laughs> and 2. <laughs> Those are great memories that we kind of put together back then. So we, I'm really. We, we, do, we do not give credit to Lyricist Lounge Volume 2. Yeah. Mm. And to me, I think no. it was a it was a big deal putting out the first uh, volume because everybody heard about the Lyricist Lounge and the mutterings of rap and, and articles in the Source and Vibe magazine about the actual place, the Lyricist Lounge in D.C. That was, I mean, excuse me, in New York, New York. that eventually spawned other um, counterparts in the West Coast and then also eventually down south. But it really did spark a movement. So we we look at this, and as far as the beats, 
we talked about the beats here as well. Alchemist, DJ Scratch. To me, this is one of his better offerings with what he did um, with right here. And Diamond D, of course, with some good offerings here as well with the light. And some of the, the samples that were used here, other than we talked about the Simon Says sample, there were also samples of uh, Aftermath for Behind Closed Door by Quincy Jones. Queens had Till the Cops Come Knocking by Maxwell. No Mercy had The Trap by Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, the Light had samples of both Mikosa by West Montgomery and In Summer Wishes, Winter Dreams by George Benson. So there were a lot of intricate sampling going on here with a lot of the different um, producers that worked on this album. So we've been through it. We've looked at our favorite tracks. We've talked about what it is that we liked then and now. Now, of course, we come in with the ultimate test, what we like to say. Well, first, before we get to the ultimate test, we're going to go to notable quotables. Okay, we all going to go to the lines that we like to hear. So I'm going to go around the table. We're going to talk about the quotable lines that you pulled here that you like. So I'll go ahead and start with Dave. Dave, you have one that you wanted to pull from, at least one that really caught your ear when you heard it? My style makes the crowd say, ow, like number 55 on the charges. <laughs> I promise thee I dodge a nigga like Raul Modis and soberly stay calm like any mean, by any means like nature on. The bomb like Hail Mary is infiltrated with napalm. <laughs> Rap, please deliver us scriptures like, deliver scriptures similar to Jesus if you couldn't catch, that you couldn't catch if you were Yvonne Rodriguez. Yeah. <laughs> Bruh. Being Pudge. Yvonne Rodriguez being Pudge. Yeah, like the sports references were crazy and that's from official what Dave is saying, God, the sports references there were crazy, man. Like, I had to think, like, how he just, when he was sitting there writing that down, to be able to think about how he was going to be able to craft each of the names into this rhyme. It was crazy. So that's one. Um, Jay, do you have one in particular that you liked? Um, yeah, it would be off of right here. Yeah. I mean, it was like a quick little bar. When he was, like, just talking about how MCs can get eight by him, he was like, you can get eight like Mickey D's after the hydro if you push me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Cause like, That's a line that I think we can all relate yeah, to a exactly. little bit. Exactly, yeah, because, I mean, we've all had, I mean, us, especially us Morgan alums, we've had yeah. those nights where, you know, we've indulged in some of the hydro and had to run to that McDonald's. McDonald's in Northwood parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that kind of it kind of it kind of gave me a flashback there, and then um, no, just kind of like piggybacking on what I said about a little fame, like on his on his track with them, and that was another thing. Like apparently, like you know, typically people work with me, uh, work with MOP that they'll go back and rewrite their verse. Pharaoh apparently just stood tall with his because he really brought on that song too. Yeah, but, absolutely. But like when little fame was like, and again with him being the most this is the most, most lyrical I ever heard him, he was like. You know my hammer's heavy and got kicked like Taekwondo. Yeah. And he was like, I'm going to show you how to stretch a nigga if you want to watch Ty Bo. Like, Yeah. <laughs> and Ty Bo was big back then. That right, was really when it was starting to make it to come. Like, <laughs> really big. Billy Blanks. Right, yeah. <laughs> and his infomercials. Stay, stay up past 12 o'clock. You see that commercial. Yeah. Oh, yep. You know uh -huh. it's time for bed. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we well, see Billy Blanks. Time to go to bed, bro. Night, night. Indeed. Damo, you, any of your quotables that you wanted to share that caught your ear? Um, The No Mercy. Feral March caused damage. The advantage is we banish artists, labels, and managers. Amateurs found six feet deep in mental canisters. Yes. I said, good Lord have mercy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, ain't playing on this one right here. Mm. Yeah, now they all three of them bought it, man. Um, you actually stole a little bit of my th Thunder Damo because that was actually my quotable from Feral as well. 
you know, and he just said he started out, this is what you get when you fuck with the likes of the magnanimous flows of total assholes and ignoramuses. Mammal P flash slash feral monch caused damages. The advantages we banished artists, labels, and managers. Amateurs found six feet deep in metal canisters. And it that was just wild. And then my other quotable is actually from Kwali on the truth. And it was like his first four, four bars or so is that he said, on my neck, I still got marks from the nooses. The truth that produces fear that got niggas on the run like Carl Lewis. The truth is, my crew is the smoother bits of saliva juices like the roots is more organic than acoustics. And if people don't catch that, th- th- what that line was, the roots debut LB- LP was actually organics. Yep, organics. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, like, the roots is more organic than acoustics. Mm. Um Quali had a few good lines in there. Kama had a lot of good lines. Um, there's a ton of lines in here from Pharaoh that you got to really go back and read. Like, I think he was one of the few rappers that I would actually go out, like I said, on OHHLA.com and go right and now, read. Like, yeah. <laughs> and go and read some of those lyrics and try to get some of those references, man. And even some of them I didn't get until I listened to it and then went back and read again. But, you know, tons of quotables, tons and tons of quotables. Anybody got any other quotables they want to share? I gotta get I gotta get back to the second verse of uh of official. Okay. Yo, the real and stuck females blush my knob like Chuck, dispensed the eight count, commenced the rebound like Buck Williams. Triple crown threat to score plus the bonus strange without the rover move range of Ray Odonia. Yeah. Now those were some dope sports references. You think about Chuck Knoblock and then Ray Odonia's uh, shortstop. Who um goodness, I'm trying to think about who Ray played for. Ray played for Sox. the Mets for the White Sox, yeah. I had a feeling he thinking yeah, though he yeah. played for the Mets too, didn't he? Or he played for the Mets. Played for the Mets. Played for the White Sox too. Okay, yeah, but now the range that he had his shortstop was ridiculous, yeah. man. Him, I think about shortstops back in the day, especially in that part of the '90s. Uh, there were so many great shortstops. You think about defensive shortstops. Him, Omar Vizquel, were like uh, great. Cal, <laughs> Cal, of course. A-Rod. You know, at that point, Cal was starting. It was like at the end of his career. But A Rod, you think about Nomar, you think about Nomar, Jeter, yeah, you know. Nomar. But when you think about defensive shortstops, it's almost like during that time Chuck. it weren't many better than Ray Ordonez and also well, Chuck of, um, was second Chuck, base. Yeah, Chuck was second base. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So he couldn't throw the first base no more. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the yips. Yeah, <laughs> but it was just crazy sports references on official. So there we are with notable quotables, plenty of them that you can see there. Mm. So now we reach this point in our program where. We go ahead and get the final verdict from you gentlemen after everything we said is basically the the test, the ultimate test. Is it a certified classic? It is a borderline classic or just a classic in its time. So I'll go ahead and we'll start with Day. What is it to you? Is it certified, borderline, or just in its time? I give it certified. Yeah. Um not of course you can't have well there is such things as perfect albums but you know i think if they had taken off the ass and the next level in the, in the next shit you know it'd been flawless but you know every you know i give them a pass you know what i'm saying but every every other song on joint bang so i give it a certified classic jay what say you what make that too man i have to say it's a certified classic mm-hmm. um, i mean just like the, with the production the lyricism how it just stood how it's like a monument to like the overall mission of Rockets as far as like keep it true to the underground and saying like, look, there's an audience for this here. You know, people want to hear this music. Absolutely. Especially in the, and during that time, like late 90s, it was still kind of that the jiggy era was ending, but the bling era was coming in. So it kind of like car- it still carved out that niche. The overall mission of Rockets and the way this album banged, with the exception of the two tracks, you know, Dave mentioned a moment ago, um, 
I'm not, I'm not as tough on the song the ass as he was, but like mine was like more so. I mean, not saying it was not saying it was <laughs> dope. I mean, like I, my, my attitude was that's like eh, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Doesn't bang his heart. Might be like a little lounge club banger if he needed that, but I mean, with that with the exception of those two, I mean, I would definitely say it just banged through and through. Indeed. Damo, your verdict? See the bearer of bad news. I got to be three <laughs> in a row. <laughs> gotcha. I thought I was about to say certified. <laughs> yeah, it's certified. You know, I'll listen a couple of songs you could take out, but it's still a. It's you it don't take you back to like, dang, when was this made? I can't really listen to this. Right. Uh, it still relates today. It's the certified out. Yeah, make that four for four. Certified classic, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, it is a certified boom bap classic. If we're talking about what you know the type of album that it is. And it's interesting you said, Jay, about the late 90s and the period that was in. I was watching Hip Hop Evolution, mm-hmm. and they were starting to talk about how after the deaths of Tupac and Biggie, how you saw the move with Rockefeller Records and then, then with Bad Boy. And then, as you said, the bling era was starting to come in because you had P right. and No Limit Records starting to encroach on territory. And then by the end of this uh, century at this time, Cash Money is starting right. to make its entry into the market as well, and they introduced the blank, like, like blank, right, blank, right. you know? So there was definitely a battle for the soul of hip-hop during that particular time, and there were a couple of ends of spectrum that you were. It's either you kind of like this side, jiggy, blingy, or you were more boom-bop, underground, head-nod type music, you know? Yeah, all day long. <laughs> and then there was also a spot in between that needed to be filled in as well, which I think that by the next decade it was definitely a spot that was filled in for that void in between so uh just a little bit of, to co- correct the references so ray ordonez did play for the mets the devil rays and the cubs it's maglia ordonez played for the white Sox. The white Sox, yeah so <laughs> just the other ordonez had to stop there and, and do but ray definitely was a defensive genius um back then only 12 home runs 287 huh he wasn't a hitter he wasn't yeah. only 12 home runs 246 career hitter 287 runs batted in, but goodness, his glove was on point. He played from 96 to 2004. There we are. Yet another classic ran down. Internal Affairs by Pharaoh March just made available on digital platforms this week on his 20th anniversary. Please make sure you go and check that out and go listen to this album if you haven't and refamiliarize yourself with this album and also with Pharaoh March. To me, one of the most criminally slept on lyricists of the 90s and going into this time. Um, he's done a lot of music since then, but obviously has not been as well in the forefront because he's never been that kind of guy. But those who know hip hop, no lyricist, no lyrics, no Pharaoh March. So Internal Affairs, please go make sure that you check it out. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you check us out on our host, Podbean, vaultcmr.podbean.com. You can also download, stream, and subscribe to The Vault CMR on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Please make sure you listen. Also, subscribe and share it to someone. We appreciate all the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend. And if you have a friend, make sure you tell that friend to tell a friend. And uh, for everyone, if you're in the DMV area and you are interested in recording a podcast, you can always come to those of us at IB Creative and come to see if what it will take to get your podcast on the air. We work from everyone from experienced podcasters to everyone looking to get started right out of the box. You can visit us on Facebook at IB Creative. Also on Instagram at IBECRE8 on Instagram and email us as well, I-B-E-C-R-E-A 
at gmail.com if you're interested in starting a podcast. We'd love to be able to work with you. And in the DMV, if you're around, we are mobile and do come to you. So also another quick shout out to the Raw Sex Podcast with my man Damo on Spotify, also on Apple Podcasts and on Podbean as well. To my man D, of course, make sure y'all check out the Ground Rule Double Podcast on Facebook. Check your local listings to see when that's available Mondays and Friday evenings. And of course, a shout out to my man Jay. Appreciate his insight on hip hop as always. Want to close this out to always remind you to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. As we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at IVECRE8.